Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest is the founder of the ART or Awareness and Relaxation Training and co-author of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Workbook, Dr. Bob Stoll. Bob, welcome. Thank you, Magdalena, for having me be here. I appreciate it. Now, can I ask you to open the show by reading a little bit to us from your book? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. And um, what I think I'd like to do is read from the introduction, and this is a poem from Mary Oliver that we actually, in our introduction, we um, dedicate this poem to everyone that picks up this book and wants to read it. And so it's called The Journey. And it goes, one day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, and though the whole house began to tremble, and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried. Mend my life. But this time you didn't stop, and you knew what you had to do. And though the wind cried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, and though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and it was a wild night, and the road was full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of the clouds, and there was a new voice. There was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own, and it kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. And there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own and it kept you company as you strove deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. The journey from Mary Oliver. We um, like to use this poem to dedicate it to all of those that are uh, getting our book in the sense that uh, the only life that we can ever save is ourselves and the importance of if we want to know peace, want to reduce our stress, it's that journey that begins inside our own body and mind. Mm. And that's the, the Voltairean idea too, isn't it, of tending your own garden. But why is that so important, do you think? Um, and I'll talk to you about the poem itself in a minute as well, but why is it so important, do you think, from a worldwide perspective? Why is it important for the world for me to save myself? Well, we, you know, there's actually there's an old folk song that says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And so the importance of working on our own consciousness, on our own way that we treat ourselves, and thus, of course, from that place, we begin to have interpersonal relationships with others, and if we can maintain that sense of balance and kindness and honesty in our relationships, it grows from there. And so we have to first work with, if you will, the metaphorical demons inside us, those parts of us that are with a lot of anger or sadness or fear or stress or uh, confusions and so forth. And so the, the inner journey is, of course, uh, what influences um, others. And, if, uh, you know, and even through the ages when we hear about certain saints and sages and spiritual beings, I mean, we're still talking about this guy called the Buddha that lived 2,600 years ago that 
sought out to seek enlightenment. And of course, in other religious traditions of Jesus or Mohammed or you know, many of the different religious traditions of individuals that took special effort to purify their own minds. And actually, so many years later, we're still talking about it. So the impact of even one person in working on themselves to help heal themselves can have a profound influence on humanity. And, of course, uh, every one of us in the world experiences stresses. No one can escape from aging, illness, death, separation, difficulties, and uncertainties, and so forth. And so uh, from the mindfulness space stress reduction perspective, we're first working on how these stresses are affecting ourselves, and then potentially it can have an impact on our relationships with others. Mm. And, and the way you read that poem, um, especially, and I don't know if it's maybe some combination between the, the voice of the poet and, and your voice, but um, you know there was quite a, a sort of relaxation element in that. It almost felt like a, one of your meditations to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I'm a, a lover of poetry, and I recite a lot of poetry. And this is, of course, one of my favorite poems. And every new class that I offer in mindfulness-based stress reduction, I always recite this poem um, to those that are entering into the classroom for the first time to help welcome them and to recognize them. And I think many people, we recognize ourselves in this poem, like this times where even though everyone is asking us for helpers, so forth, that we, there comes a time when we have to save the only life that we can save, and that is ourselves. Do you think there's a responsibility as well to, you know, to, to do the best we can with ourselves? Well, it, I don't know if I'd call it a responsibility, but I mean, it, it's, I mean, I, I think it is a wonderful thing to do. And I mean, actually, Franz Kafka, a philosopher, once said, you have, your, you have suffering and you have your choice of whether you want to deal with it or not, but if you don't deal with it, then you get two sufferings. And so, in some sense, by beginning to actually engage with working with our suffering, with our pain, with our stress and our illness, it's much more efficient than suppressing, denying, and avoiding it. And, of course, we're creating a lot of messes for ourselves and perhaps everywhere we go and, 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 and its effect on others. And so... It's certainly very efficient, and yes, and on a large degree, in the, in the sense of responsibility, that would be very wonderful if we could begin to take care of ourselves. Mm. Now, there are other wonderful poems in the book, too. They're, they're sort of peppered through the book. How did you pick and choose which poems to use? Well, I, I have been teaching mindfulness-based stress reduction for, um, since 1991 and have taught many, many classes to this point, many thousands of people, and through the years, um, poetry finds me, or I find it, and certain poems stick out as very important poems to um, the use of poetry in mindfulness-based stress reduction, is, it can be very important, uh, and to help one to um, get in touch with deeper um, feelings within themselves. For example, um, there's a poem in the book by Derek Walcott, who actually won a Nobel Peace Prize in literature, and one of his poems that we often recite, and I don't even have the book in front of me, but I know it by heart, is Love After Love, and says that the time will come and with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door and in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome, and you love again this stranger who is yourself. 
You'll give wine and bread, and you'll give back your heart to the stranger who's loved you, whom all your life you have ignored for another. So taking down the photographs and the desperate notes, peeling your image from the mirror, and sit and feast on your life. The time will come in revelation. You'll greet yourself arriving at your own door in, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome, and you'll love again this stranger who is yourself. Beautiful poem speaking about learning to love again the stranger who is ourselves. Because often what we find in our stress reduction classes is that no doubt people come in because they're feeling stressed or they're living with the stresses of illness or pain. But often underlying many of these conditions, not to uh, make less of them, they're huge. But underlying so many of these is also the feeling of feeling like you're not enough that you have some inadequacy, that you're flawed, deficient. There's a sense of this narrative self, this self that I define myself to be, feels deficient in one way or another. And so we find often in the, in the microsystem stress reduction programs it's really, a, it's really about a deeper reconciliation of ourselves with ourselves to begin to open to places of self-compassion. Many of us are so compassionate to others that we have very little compassion for ourselves. And so we find that the importance of beginning to meet ourselves with self-compassion, with understanding, to get some understanding of uh, why or what motivated or what fueled our past actions that drove us to be hurtful to ourselves or to others and to make some reconciliation. Mm. And and talk to me about, um, you know, this this reconciliation with the self and mindfulness. Where does mindfulness come in and why is it so important? Well, I, I, you know, for me personally, as I've been practicing mindfulness for many years, I become much more sensitive to my own inner sufferings and pains and I become just much more aware of, in general, of suffering and pain. And the feeling that begins to arise after uh, practice for some time is a sense of not wanting to cause harm, not wanting to cause harm to myself, not wanting to cause harm to others, not wanting to cause harm to the world, the environment, to, to live as much as possible without harming. And it is you know, virtually probably impossible but as much to, to live without any causing any harm at all, but as much as I can try to live a life of non-harming, this um, feels much more um, congruent with my inner and outer world. And so when we begin to practice mindfulness, we begin to recognize sometimes some of the harm that we've done to ourselves. We've been so critical and judgmental. We've been uh, very hard on ourselves. And in turn, of course, at times we can be very judgmental and critical of others. And, of course, many of us have huge lists of inner resentments and grudges and all types of feelings of those that have wronged us and hurt us. And so at times we have a lot of these types of resentments and grudges. And so what we find that it's very important to work with reconciliation, and actually we speak about it in working in three particular ways. The first is to become, the you know, mindfulness is helping us to become aware of what it is that we are holding on to, what, with, what the grudges that we're feeling, the ill will, the resentment. So our awareness, our mindfulness, which I can use synonymously, is helping us to see what's actually holding us back, what's blocking us, what's, what is, um, you know, that we're, we're being hurt 
by. And so the first thing is working with the reconciliation within ourselves, that we begin to open to a place of self-compassion. And sometimes I like to use the word hindsight wisdom. As we look back with hindsight wisdom now to where we were then and the shame that we felt of the actions that we did, we begin to understand of our own hindsight wisdom where we were at that point, the unawareness that we were experiencing, the fears that were driving and fueling the actions that caused pain to myself. And so with that type of understanding, which we call hindsight wisdom, we also make, begin to do some reconciliation, and we begin to understand that all of our past actions has led us into this present moment. And, and so we begin to understand it's all been a part of what's brought me here to this moment. And may I begin to open to a sense of reconciliation and compassion for those times in my life when I caused a lot of pain to myself. And secondly, when I begin to look at back to my past and begin to recognize all of the pain that I may have caused others, that was also fueled and motivated by my own unawareness and my own fears. And now that I begin to understand that, I can begin to give myself compassion, potentially even forgiveness for those times that I may have hurt others because I understand now of how unaware I was and how fearful I was. And thirdly, we speak about for those that have hurt us. And even though it may be impossible right now to forgive those that have been, you know, tried, that have hurt us, sometimes hurt us badly, we can begin to, at the very least, to try to neutralize the resentments and the grudges and the ill will that we're harboring inside ourselves because we grow with mindfulness and realize that these types of feelings that we're keeping inside us is so toxic, is so poisonous, is so painful to our health and our well-being. When we're living in a place of resentment, we are the ones that are suffering, even though we're projecting it outwards to those that have hurt us. And so we first try to begin to neutralize the first become aware that we're harboring resentments and begin to try in the spirit of, of helping us to become more healthy is to begin to neutralize these resentments. And a part of that is also, again, that wise understanding. Just as I have perhaps hurt others due to my unawareness and fear, we also begin to understand that others that have hurt me, that it came from their unawareness and their fears. And in that way, our reconciliation begins to grow and happen. And we begin to discover that we can lighten our load when we're having a heavy and hardened heart. We are the ones that are in pain. Mm. And, and I love that um, linking quote as well, which addresses that point exactly. And, and it also goes back to that idea of healing yourself is also you know, going to have ripples in the world because when you extend that um, forgiveness, you, you're actually touching someone else. Yeah. Um, so you've been teaching this a long time. How did you get to that point where you said, you know, we need to have a book? Um, you and Elisha came together and, and, you know, decided to crystallize what you've been teaching into something, you know, printed. <laughs> yeah. Happened with it. Actually, Elisha was my student. I was his, he was going for his PhD, and I was on his dissertation committee. I'm a faculty member of the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. And as I got to meet, know him and meet him, and then he decided to take my Mindful Space Stress Reduction Teacher Training Practicum. And so he went through that, and we, we kept up a nice association. And he's about 20 years younger than me, and he's into technology. And one day I got a phone call from him saying, you know, Bob, I want to try to do this Mindful Space Stress Reduction um, Internet project. Do you want to help me? 
And so I got involved with helping them with this, and we were putting, making this uh, project together. And when we got done with it, I realized, wow, we, we have the precursor here to a mindfulness based stress reduction workbook. There hasn't been anything like this developed yet. And so we decided to um, take that initial work from the, the Internet project and put it into a hard copy and expand it, of course. And this is the book that we created. And it's um, you've got a discussion group. It's you know it's really um, kind of expanding your reach quite dramatically, isn't it? Yeah, it's you know it's very interesting. I, I feel that this project is an incredibly the book is a, an incredibly generous offering. Uh, we of course have the workbook itself, but then we also decided to include uh, a CD, and it's actually an MP3 CD, which with current technology. It can hold hours and hours of data. Like most normal regular CDs hold 80 minutes, but this particular CD that you can play on your computer, then put it onto your MP3 player, such as an iPod or whatever, um, you can, you, we, we actually have 21 meditations on this one CD. There's over eight and a half hours of guided meditations, and they're very user-friendly, designed in 15, 30, and 45-minute meditations, and we have some that are five minutes long and 10 minutes long and 15 minutes long and so forth. And so we, uh, this has been included in the book so that as you go through the book, it's suggesting various meditation practices to work with, and you can use either 15, 30, or 45. And, of course, the book has a lot of mindful reflections and space to write in the book if you like to, to journal about your experiences. And then in addition to that, we actually created a website called mbsrworkbook.com that has uh, videos and so forth, but then we, with the current technology, there's now I think like almost 600 people, million people using Facebook, we created a Facebook community page so that people can then interact on Facebook with us and we, uh, we create like video vblogs to answer questions and the discussion groups and so there's a way that we're trying to be interactive with our audience to help support them in the practice. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's quite dramatic, really, the, the impact that all this is having. Do you, do you feel, too, though, that, you know, I guess in the past, a lot of your, your teaching and your practice was with people who perhaps were already meditating, whereas now you're actually, and, and the book seems to me to be focused on people who are stressed, but not necessarily people who know much about meditation, Buddhism, um, mindfulness in general, or, or any of the topics that you're discussing. They may be coming to it from their place of discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, we work in medical centers, actually contracted um, a number of medical centers teaching mindfulness-based stress reduction programs, the majority of the people that come to our programs have never meditated before in their lives. And they're coming there because they're living with stress, pain, or illness, or want to improve their health and well-being. And they're often because since many people aren't coming there with stress, pain, or illness, they are highly motivated to begin to want to learn a way of working within themselves the stress and the pain, the illness that they're dealing with. And so, actually, this book is is not too different than what happens in an MBSR classroom. Now, I will say that there's nothing like being in an MBSR classroom, uh, and I would prefer that someone actually did that rather than taking our book alone, 
like our book will will be an introduction to mindfulness based stress reduction that you would find in the classroom. And actually, I'm going to put a plug in for my dear friend Timothy Goddard, who started um, Open Ground. I think it's Open Ground. You can just Google that. But she actually has developed many mindfulness based stress reduction programs in Australia. She's a wonderful teacher. But I, our book is geared and dedicated for people living with stress, pain, and illness that have no experience whatsoever with mindfulness, and they can pick up our book, and we've tried to use our language as simply and as clearly as possible, addressing it to people who've never even practiced before, that they could actually pick it up and begin to do a practice. Of course, in the back of the book, we have a, a number of different resources where people could go to to try to find a program and so forth. But we we actually have geared this for people that don't really know anything about meditation. And again, most of my classes, all the people that come there are people that have hardly ever meditated before as well. But they're coming there because they're in pain and they want to learn. Mm. Do you find that do you find that often the the um, solution to their pain becomes something much bigger? Have people gone on to do more with this than simply ease their stress? Uh, can you repeat that, please? I'm not quite clear what you're asking. Yeah, do you, do you find that some of your students um, may come in wanting to reduce their stress, but actually go deeper with this? They actually change their lives. They, they you know, they find oh. a whole new way of living. Um, yeah, quite often. <laughs> quite often. Um, you know, I think people begin to realize by the by, you know, part way through the class that this is much more than a stress reduction class. That this is. Uh, Sitting, standing on the tip of the iceberg of more and more freedom. And so, you know, as we really look much more deeply into the nature of our mind and what fuels our suffering and our pain, which is often caused by our grasping and our aversion and beginning to get deeper insight into this, one begins to experience much more freedom. So I think people get way more than what they actually even thought they could get. It was much more than a stress reduction class. It's really, it's really about learning about yourself and the brilliance and genius of John Kabat-Zinn, who's the founder of this work, um, who wrote the book Full Catastrophe Living, Wherever You Go, Coming to Our Senses, a number of books, is that he, he as a scientist, brought these principles of mindfulness into mainstream medicine, into mainstream society, and we're using mainstream language. We're not interested in trying to make anyone a Buddhist or, or do, you know, cross their legs in weird ways and you know, do things that are weird. We're, we're really trying to bring it into mainstream medicine and into our mainstream culture in a way and in a language that makes sense. So it's part of mind-body medicine. Mm. And it really goes well because when we think about a neuroscience, there's such an interest in the mind-body connection. And that mind-body connection speaks to that our thoughts and emotions affect our physiology, affect our bodies. And so the evidence is overwhelming of this mind-body connection, so mindfulness plays such a pivotal role because if indeed our thoughts do affect our body, then let us be more aware and mindful of the thoughts that we're thinking about. And that's where mindfulness is, is this pivotal place. And there's actually a very beautiful quote from Viktor Frankl. We actually use it in the book a couple of different places. It says that between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom. And many times we don't see the space between the stimulus and the response because we're so built with our habitual conviction, the conditioning, we're imposed.
impulsively reacting to different situations. We don't notice that there's a space that we could choose differently. Mm-hmm. Another poem that we work with is called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters by Patricia Nelson. It says that I'm walking down the street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I fall in and I'm helpless. And it takes a long time, but I finally get out. In chapter two, I'm walking down the same street, there's a deep hole. Hello, Bob. Bob, are you there? Hello. Hello, Bob. Sorry about that. Hi. I think we I'm might back. have power for a minute. Um, okay, we're back in the show. I'm sorry about that. Not a problem. So I'll, I'll just get you back on track then. We don't have much time left, unfortunately. I'm sorry to listeners. Um, tell me, um, if, it, if uh, you were to come up with a single overriding lesson that you wanted people to take from the book, the one most important idea, um, what would that be? Well, maybe I'll come back to that quote that I was using earlier, but I'm not sure whether I got cut off or not, but it's by Viktor Frankl speaking about uh, the importance of mindfulness. And that is, uh, this quote says that between the stimulus and the response, there is space. And in that space lies our freedom. And again, many of us don't recognize that space between the stimulus and the response because we have so much impulsive reactivity. And so I think I would like to appeal to the audience. I, you know, I think in many ways the mindfulness practice comes down to two qualities. One is cultivating mindfulness, awareness, to recognize that you have a choice in how to respond to any situation. And the other aspect that I think helps to uh, support this practice is the practices of compassion for ourselves and for each other. Mm. And, and I love that quote. That is absolutely wonderful. And you read it just as powerfully the second time as the first two. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I'm not sure whether I got cut off or not there, but, yeah, please go on. Yeah, no, that's okay. So um, just tell me, do you have more books on the horizon? Is, are there other areas that you'd like to explore in print? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm co-writing with another colleague, a friend of mine, Steve Flowers, who actually wrote a book called The Mindful Path Through Shyness, but we are co-writing a book together, and we're actually 
uh, have just completed it, and it will be up next July, but we still don't have a, a name that we have settled on. But it is about, uh, in Western psychology, has really given us a lot of information on how the formation of the ego has come to be. We can call this our narrative-based self. And so this is book is an investigation in how the narrative-based self or our egos um, learn from very early years of our lives. We get woundedness. And so many of us have this pervasive feeling of not feeling like we're enough or that we're flawed or that we're deficient. And these roots come from very early woundings and, of course, are reinforced as we live our lives. And Part of this book is to begin to help understand how this sense of seeing the world came to be and then bringing the qualities of mindfulness in to help us to recognize these self-narratives and to begin to realize that, that we are more than these limited definitions of who we think we are and that these limited definitions uh, are, are causing us a lot of pain. So we're going to be exploring how mindfulness works with the narrative-based self or our egos and um, how we can heal even more. Oh, well, we'll definitely be looking out for that. Um, just uh, before we finish up, um, can you tell us what your website is so people can go and find out more? Yeah, they, look, you know, they, you, one can order the book on Amazon, but we have a website. It's called MBSR Workbook. W-O-R-K-B-O-O-K, mbsrworkbook.com, and that will take you to everything. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. That is, unfortunately, and I'm, again, sorry for the, the glitch in there, but that's all we have time for today. Um, our next guest will be Craig Sylvie, whose novel Jasper Jones has just been longlisted for the UK's Dylan Thomas Prize for Young Writers, and I'm about halfway through it, and uh, all I want to do is finish it up because it's so good. So please join us then. Thank you again, Bob, for joining us today. Thank you, Maggie, very much. This was very delightful. I wish uh, all of you in Australia to be well. I really love your country and people. Thank you Thank very you much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.